could not be more excited to introduce our first ever crossover episode in collaboration with the Gynecologic Oncology Sharing Hub, or GOSH podcast. My name is Melissa Nelson, and I'm the Communications Coordinator for the Women's Health Research Institute. This month, in addition to introducing our incredible guests, I had the immense pleasure of hosting our episode and learning about how the GOSH podcast came to be, the power of storytelling, and what it's been like for the GOSH team to use this platform for knowledge translation. I'm joined by Nicole Kay and Stephanie Lamb, the duo behind the GOSH podcast's inception, production, and who co-host each episode. Nicole is an experienced communications professional and a patient partner with the Gynecologic Cancer Initiative. In her early 30s, Nicole was diagnosed with cervical cancer and underwent intense treatment, including surgery, radiation, and chemotherapy resulting in the loss of her fertility. Nicole now uses her experiences to help guide, support, and be a voice for women who have been diagnosed with gynecological cancers. Stephanie is the research coordinator for the Gynecologic Cancer Initiative. She works on various projects and programs to advance gynecologic cancer research in BC, including initiatives in patient-oriented research and patient engagement. As part of this work, Stephanie co-hosts the GOSH podcast and hopes to build a platform for storytelling and science communication among the gynecologic cancer community. Stephanie has a background in health sciences and is currently pursuing her Master's of Health Administration at UBC. After listening to this episode, we encourage you to check out the show notes where we've listed the podcast episodes referenced, as well as more information on the Gynecologic Cancer Initiative. I am very excited to be here today with uh, Nicole Kay and Stephanie Lamb from the Gynecologic Oncology Sharing Hub, or GOSH podcast. Um, maybe we'll start with a round of introductions. So I will pass the mic to you, Nicole. Thanks for having us today, Melissa. And hi, everyone. Uh, my name is Nicole Kay. I am a patient partner with the Gynecologic Cancer Initiative. Uh, I was diagnosed with cervical cancer um, when I was 33 years old. Uh, and after going through that journey and into my survivorship, uh, I was able to connect with the GCI and get involved as uh, a patient partner with them on different initiatives. And one of those being the GOSH podcast, which I co-host uh, with Stephanie Lamb, who's also here today. So I'll pass it over to Stephanie. Um, she can give her a quick intro. Thanks, Nicole. Um, Melissa, thank you so much for having us. And we're super excited to talk about the GOSH podcast um, on the Women's Research Podcast. Um, so my name is Stephanie. I'm the research coordinator for the Gynecologic Cancer Initiative. Um, so I've been working with the um, ovarian cancer and the Gynecologic Cancer Initiative for since 2018. Um, so I kind of um, help oversee a lot of the various programming and a lot of the various projects that we have going on at the GCI. Um, and so I met Nicole back in 2019 and uh, where she shared her story with us at our GCI and Women's Health Research Cluster um, Survivorship Summit. Um, and we've been working together ever since. Um, as part of my work, I do a lot of patient engagement um, and I um, help support a lot of patient-oriented research projects. Um, so it's a great pleasure to be able to share some of the work um, that we've been doing here on the podcast. Since 2019, time is flying. <laughs> I can't believe Oh my gosh, I know. Yeah. <laughs> Especially with COVID, I feel like time has just like stopped and it hasn't like progressed at all. 
No, that presentation did not seem that long ago. Well, thank you both for, uh, for those introductions and again for being here. Maybe before we dive into our discussion about the podcast and storytelling and KT um, and patient engagement, uh, maybe you can just start off with a little overview of what the Gynecologic Cancer Initiative is. Yeah, for sure. So um, to share a little bit about the Gynecologic Cancer Initiative, we're basically a um, virtual research network um, that's composed of physicians, researchers, patient partners, um, trainees, and community members across British Columbia, um, who are all working in the area of gynecologic cancer. And we have a shared vision of um, accelerating transformative research on the prevention, detection, treatment, and survivorship of gynecologic cancers. And the overall goal is to be able to reduce the incidence, death, and suffering of these cancers by 50% by 2034. So whenever I um, introduce the GCI to someone, I always start off by saying that folks in this province have been working on the area of gynecologic cancers for many, many years. Um, you know, we have a really strong ovarian cancer research team, um, and we also have a really great um, group of individuals working in the area of cervical cancer and a growing research interest in endometrial cancer and vulvar cancer and vaginal cancer as well. Um, so people have been working together for many, many years. And a couple of years ago, um, our strategic lead, Dr. Gavin Stewart, um, saw this as an opportunity to um, really kind of formally bring folks together um, under the umbrella of the Gynecologic Cancer Initiative. And what we really do is um, we really try to develop uh, a strong research infrastructure and a strong research network for folks to be able to um, leverage and utilize um, in order to um, help support their research and to help make their research more impactful than it already is. So we have a lot of different um, types of work going on. So we do, um, of course, our patient engagement work, um, but we also do a lot of stuff to support trainees. Um, so they are the next generation of gynae cancer researchers. So, you know, we do a lot of work to help support their education um, and as well as their professional development. We also have a clinical trials group um, and they are there to kind of support, um, you know, starting up new investigator led clinical trials around the province in hopes to leverage um, national or international funding to support some of these larger um, initiatives and larger clinical trials. Um, and there's always so much work being done in the area of data science, um, in basic science and translational science. Um, so we are really just a network that kind of encompasses all of the different moving parts in the area of gynecologic cancer and really trying to just amplify and to make their work become um, even more successful than it already is. So that's a little bit about the gynecologic cancer initiative. Well, you guys are doing incredible work. I can't believe it's been since 2018, I think you said. So in four years, all that you've accomplished, and I, I'm sure that by 2034, you'll have met all of those goals. Um, so maybe now that we've, we've got that background, uh, Nicole, can you tell us a little bit about what sparked the idea for the GOSH podcast? Yeah, so I mean, the idea really came to me while I was going through my treatment. Um, so at the time, I started listening to a lot more podcasts. Um, I 
when I started doing radiation and chemo, I took some time off work. So, you know, it was summer as well. So I was walking a little bit more and, um, you know, trying to spend more time outside just in between treatments or, you know, while I was at the cancer agency in between treatments, it was easy to just throw on a podcast and, you know, be entertained while I was waiting. And, you know, I got the idea, wouldn't it be really great um, to connect patients uh, through uh, storytelling and the idea of a podcast? Um, and I kind of looked around and I didn't really see anything at the time because um, that was, you know, six years ago now. Um, there wasn't really anything out there. So I thought, you know, this would be such a great opportunity um, to build a community. And so in 2019, and Stephanie mentioned uh, the presentation that I gave, um, you know, sharing about my story. And in that, I presented some ideas that I thought would be beneficial to patients. And one of them was the podcast idea. And that's when Stephanie and I connected further and started brainstorming, um, you know, and coming up with really what the platform would be and what it would look like. And you know, one of the things that we've tried to do is balance out patient stories, as well as all of the great research that uh, is also taking place here. So really bridging that gap and sharing knowledge between both parties, um, you know, which, you know, there aren't a lot of spaces to do that. So I think it's beneficial both on the patient community side, but also on uh, the research side. So when, when did you guys launch the podcast? I know you're in your second season now, but when did it officially come out? That is a really good question. So we started, I would say early 2020 is when we started brainstorming and Stephanie had a lot of, Stephanie, Stephanie and I, you know, had no idea how to start a podcast. Um, we were Googling, trying to figure out what did we need to do? What kind of platforms do we use? So it took us a little time um, to get ourselves comfortable and set up and confident. Um, but then we launched uh, officially our first season, October of 2020. Right in the midst of a pandemic. <laughs> it could not have been easy. Yeah, doing it virtual. I mean, I think it would have been an interesting experience in person, but, you know, we've jumped on the Zoom bandwagon and it's worked for us so far. It actually works out like significantly better um, doing podcast recordings on Zoom. Um, I'm sure you folks have experienced the same thing, Melissa, but try, I can't imagine having to coordinate in-person Zoom meetings, I'm sure the conversations would be like amazing and like so, um, you know, it would just be a, a, be a, a better environment, but like trying to coordinate that, especially if you have like three different mics going on in the same room where the mics are all picking up different people's sounds, I cannot imagine the editing work that would have to happen if we had to do in-person Zoom recordings. So it's actually been a huge blessing to be able to do Zoom recordings. And now it's just the norm for us, I guess. Yeah, no, we uh, we did our first ever episode in person. We recorded it and then the pandemic hit and we went virtual after that as well. And I will say, I think it does work better virtually. <laughs> we definitely had a lot of navigating um, as I'm sure you've experienced too and like figuring out that process. But yeah. I, yeah, I don't know how we'll, how we'll do it when real, real life comes back to us all. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
So what has the reception of the podcast been? Like, have you received any feedback from either clinicians or, or patients or survivors or even the research community? Because as you said, you have like such an array of guests and, and so many different stories that you've shared so far. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the feedback has been amazing from all sides of folks who are listening to the podcast. You know, we've had, of course, a lot of great patient feedback. Um, you know, many patients, I think, really miss the opportunity to hear about different perspectives and to really be able to dive deep into other people's stories. Um, I think sometimes when you just meet someone, you know, it's hard to kind of get into the nitty gritties of, um, you know, a big experience, right? So I think um, a lot of patients have said that they really enjoy the opportunity to be able to hear some of the stories as well as some of the research, because the research is um, not as accessible to patients and um, having it through the podcast, um, they're able to actually listen to it and to, you know, they can take their time with it as well. They can, you know, rewind back and uh, re-listen to parts and really kind of check their understanding um, with the content that we do create. Um, The feedback has also been really great from the research community. Um, You know, a lot of researchers Um, I'm sure as you may know, uh, Melissa, being in the research environment um, can feel a little disconnected to the issue. I think sometimes when you're looking at a lot of, you know, statistics and numbers and data points, um, it can feel really hard to feel connected to the main cause. And I think having the patients um, share their stories and um, having the patients on the podcast um, is really kind of what helps to also motivate um, or to help a lot of staff and researchers um, find a connection to their work um, and to create meaning for their work as well. you know, we've been very fortunate that the podcast has been able to grow over the last um, now, I guess, year and a little bit that we've been active. And, you know, we've had listeners from all around the world, um, which has been really great because I think that that's also part of um, the beautiful thing about podcasting and, you know, digital media mediums for sharing stories um, is that it's it has no boundaries, you know, people from around the world can access it and to also see what the experiences are like. Uh, we are, we're actually doing a, we actually did a three-part series um, with some folks in Australia um, on some of the work that they're doing in cervical cancer um, eradication and um you know, some of the advocacy work that they're doing. So it's really great to also be able to connect with people, um, you know, around the world around these issues and to um, be able to share some of the commonalities and some of, and learn from each other at the end of the day. Yeah, I think there's another piece of feedback that we've heard from the patients that have come on the podcast and shared their stories was that there was almost a therapeutic element to it as well for them, you know, to be able to open up and to share and know that, you know, it's others are going to connect or benefit or, you know, maybe feel um, some support from listening to their story. Um, they felt really good about that. Um, and for some, you know, maybe they weren't opening up about it quite frequently. And so, you know, it gave them that opportunity to do so. And so they felt it was actually really beneficial for their own, you know, personal growth uh, and healing. That's so amazing to hear. And I mean, as you've said, you've, you've had a lot of growth since you've just launched your podcast. And I'm sure just generally in the six years since you were listening to podcasts that first time, Nicole, just podcasting in general has totally taken off, I think. And um, I think we're definitely starting to see a lot more uh, 
from the research space in terms of using this platform for knowledge translation. And so my next question is to you is maybe a bit of a loaded one. As we said, there's a lot of challenges with, with the pandemic in particular, but do you have any advice um, that you might share with other research teams who are considering this as, as the platform that they might go to for knowledge translation? Um, well, I think, you know, one of the biggest lessons that we had to learn and overcome was just hitting record and just getting started. Um, you know, I think it seemed a little daunting. And so for someone who hasn't, you know, um, taken on this type of platform or is nervous to get going, uh, for me, I'm a total perfectionist. So I was worried about how am I going to sound and is it going to be interesting? Are people going to like it? Uh, just getting over that and really hitting record was um, just getting us going. We've learned and we've grown uh, along the way and we've gotten better about our editing and our setup and things like that. And it just took actually going through the motions and getting that practice in to really, um, you know, be able to develop, develop those skills, be more confident and really create a meaningful space for, for storytelling and knowledge dissemination. So would say that is, you know, Know, uh, a key lesson that that we learned and advice that we would give. Another thing is, you know, really making space and and holding space for whoever your um, your guest is on your podcast. So when we have patients coming on and sharing their stories, you know, it can be uh, it can be vulnerable. You know, they're opening up and, and they're going into some of the, the deeper feelings and thoughts that they have. And so, you know, for us, just making sure that they're comfortable as possible, sharing the questions in advance and, and getting buy-in and, um, and supporting them if there's something that doesn't feel right or they'd rather take a, a different angle on what they want to share. We want to make sure that the, it's a positive experience um, and their, their voice and their story is really being shared in a way that's authentic and, and really resonates um, with them. So, uh, you know, those are some key things that were, were lessons learned for us and things that we've found is, is really important. Um, the other thing is taking a look at your analytics as you go. Like it's been an interesting experience for us to see you know, who's actually listening, like, what are those age brackets and um, where are they tuning in from? And we've been able to see that we've got a global reach. And so, you know, when we're thinking about um, creating our episodes and who we're going to bring on, we're trying to broaden that or, um, you know, take a look at different ways that we can ensure that we're being inclusive to our full audience. Um, Stephanie has recently done um, a full episode in a different language, with one of our patient partners. So, you know, we're just trying to find different ways that we can connect with our audience. And I think, uh, you know, leveraging your analytics that you, you get when um, you host it on any sort of platform um, is really valuable insights to help you grow. And Stephanie, maybe I'll pass it over to you and see if you've got anything to add to that. I think you covered everything that I was going to say. I think, um, you know, these are some of the shared learning lessons that both Nicole and I have had over the course of hosting 
definitely, you know, the one about just hitting record um, definitely resonates. I think that's a big one that we were both really struggling with. And we both struggled to just, you know, talk in front of a microphone. You know, we can talk normally at a meeting. We can talk normally at a casual chat. But once we get a microphone in front of us, it just becomes like exponentially more scary and more daunting. So, you know, just doing it is really kind of what helped us practice. I think the other thing that I would say um, to add is to make sure that if researchers are doing this to um, be able to connect with patients and be able to connect with the general public, make sure that those experiences are centered in this work. Um, you know, I think one of the great things about this podcast and why we've been able to connect with people is because right from the get-go, um, you know, the patient experience was centered. You know, this was Nicole's idea and this was Nicole's vision. And, um, you know, we've, we just took, um, we just took note of that and we just tried to support that vision. Um, so, you know, um, being able to support the patient experience throughout this entire podcast is really important. And it really shapes how we go about doing our recordings and developing our content. So it's not just about sharing like the patient, um, you, you know, the patient stories, like that's one component of it. But also when we talk to our researchers, we're asking questions that are relevant to patients, you know, where, where can patients get resources? What does this mean for patients and their actual lived experience? It's not just so much about, you know, the nitty gritties of what's happening um, behind the research, although that's incredibly important, um, but also asking those questions that will kind of encourage our researchers and the research community to think about the patients in um, at the center of their work and to think about how they would um, speak to patients about their research at the end of the day, because I think that's kind of what why these uh, platforms are really being utilized in the KT space is to be able to connect with patients. So just really centering the patient experience um, throughout the entire process is really important. And I would say that we really thought about what is our goal and what it is, what is the objective that we have at the start of that. And I think mm -hmm. we've remained really true to that as we've gone through both of our seasons. And so I think that'd be a valuable exercise to anyone in the research community that is thinking of using a platform like a podcast to really think about what that objective is and what do they want to accomplish. And that'll help really shape, you know, how they build out their episodes. So much good advice there. Just hit record though really resonates. I think that fear especially of <laughs> what do I sound like? <laughs> I don't want to hear myself is so real. <laughs> so awkward. I felt so <laughs> awkward. I still kind of do. <laughs> <laughs> but you get used to it after a while, right? Like, yeah. you know, even the first couple episodes, like I was the one doing the audio editing and everything. And at first it was like, oh my gosh, this is so weird. But then once you like listen to yourself a couple of times, you're like, oh, okay. It's not actually that bad, even though it feels really awkward, but yeah, it's definitely the key one. I think one of the key ones that we, that we definitely had to just push past and just, um, just go ahead with it. So maybe just to follow up on this question about advice without getting like too down the rabbit hole with it, just for anybody who's listening and is thinking about starting a podcast, um, you mentioned like analytics and the platform that you use. Just out of curiosity, what platform do you use? And do you have any like tips on learning those technical pieces? Yeah, so um, in terms of podcast hosting, the way that podcasting works is that you have to have a site to host a podcast 
um, and to host all of the audio files that you produce. Um, so we use Buzzsprout um, to um, host our podcast, although I've heard also really good things about Anchor as a um, podcasting hosting site. Um, and then what happens is once you host it somewhere, your host will then send it out to a bunch of different podcasting platforms, Spotify, Apple Podcast, um, you know, all of the uh, all of the common ones that people would access and use. Um, in terms of editing, we use Audacity. Um, so it's a free program. Um, it's relatively straightforward. Um, once you play around with it, once you get the hang of it, um, it just becomes something quite simple. Um, one of the biggest tips I would say technically is that if all possible, try to record your episodes so that every individual has their own audio file. Um, it makes things a little bit easier. You can mute things. You can mute like, you know, if someone sneezes in the background, you can mute that person. Um, if you only have one file, it kind of just gets you know embedded within and you can't make those little changes um, but I've found that um, doing it where the, every individual has their own audio file just makes things a lot easier in the post-production so yeah that's a little bit more on the technical side of things I just learned something new uh, maybe that's something <laughs> do you guys do one single episode yeah one single file that's good good food for thought I should oh. uh, I'll hit you up after this <laughs> <laughs> and it's definitely easier doing it on zoom now because you can do those three separate files and it it makes the editing a lot easier going back to what you were saying about the idea coming from Nicole and the patient experience and patient voice being so central to everything that you do um I mean I think I said at the beginning but your podcast is just a wonderful example of that ongoing engagement with a patient partner um, and sustainable um, engagement. And so, yeah, do you, do you have any lessons that you've learned about how you navigated uh, this relationship and how you started it and, and how you came to be such incredible co-hosts? Yeah, Nicole, do you want to start off first and like share a little bit from your perspective? And then I'd be happy to add um, from my perspective. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, Stephanie is, I'm just going to gloat about Stephanie for a little bit because she is amazing and the work that she does with all of us patient partners um, is incredible. We're very engaged in the work that the GCI does and our, you know, our ideas and our opinions and our concerns are always valued. And Stephanie is very conscious of bringing us all in. Um, and if, you know, we can't attend a meeting book in separate time, my calendar is always crazy. So, you know, there's certain things that I just can't attend. And she does such a great job at just making sure that that patient voice is always first and foremost, and really centered in all the work that the GCI does. So that made this experience really easy. Um, we started connecting kind of uh, just over Zoom, just to chat and brainstorm and um, created just a, a central working doc to kind of get our ideas and our thoughts in. Uh, and through that, we just got to know each other a bit more um, and really, you know, kind of learn and grow in this process together. And I think that's what's really helped us um, and like feel really good, I would say about the relationship because it wasn't, you know, one of us 
knew more than the other. We were, you know, really in the process together and, and in, on a shared journey to learn how to do this. Um, and it's been very collaborative. It's, um, you know, we both share ideas. We share, um, you know, thoughts for different episodes or thinking through, you know, do we want to try something different for a season? Um, the process is, is just very open and, and it's been very, very collaborative moving forward. Um, so yeah, for me, it's been a really great experience. Um, you know, I wasn't sure what to expect and I felt on my side that I wanted to make sure that the goals of the GCI were really represented here, but I think the GCI goals, as well as my own personal goals, really meshed well together. So I think we had a really strong foundation to build off of, which was great. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think everything Nicole said definitely resonates. And, you know, being able to work with Nicole and all of our other patient partners have really been, you know, the highlight of, um, you know, the GCI for myself as a, as a staff member, as a research staff member. Um, but I think, you know, the biggest thing when, for me, as someone who is, um, who doesn't have lived experience is, again, going back to that whole piece around centering the patient experience, you know, um, and I think that it, I was very clear from the start, you know, this is, this is Nicole's idea. This is Nicole's vision. Um, and it's not the GCI's vision. It wasn't what the GCI intended to do in the first place. Um, you know, through Nicole's um, ideas and visions, we were able to create something that really benefited the GCI and allowed us to create a platform to be able to share more with the community. But at the end of the day, this is what Nicole has, um, you know, brought to our team and um, we we need to honor that as research people and as um, the research community and I think that's always been what's so important to me when engaging with patients is that you know when patients share something with with me and with us you know we need to honor that and we need to um, you know keep that central in what we do um, and that doesn't always mean that we're able to do everything that the patients share with us um, but it also means that you know as researchers we need to communicate with the patient partners we need to share them um, you know we need to either provide reasoning and you know address that concern or we need to say how we are going to adopt those concerns moving forward um, and I think that's always been the biggest thing for me you know patient engagement was definitely something very new to the group and um you know over the course of the years I've always kind of really prioritized being able to keep communication with all of our patient partners um so yeah sometimes that means I've set up extra meetings to connect with people one-on-one -on -one, and that's really important to me to be able to make sure that you know I'm not just sending an email and just expecting them to understand but there's always a continuous dialogue between um, myself and the patient partners um, so the communication bit has been kind of one of the most important pieces and then also you know more and more over the last couple of months and years that I've been working with patient partners, I've also just kind of really, really brought into the idea um, and the notion that at the end of the day, you know, all of our patient partners are people just like myself. Um, and, you know, I've been able to develop um, develop relationships with all of my patient partners in um, ways that aren't just about gynae cancers, you know, so we talk about other things. I, and I also, you know, a lot of the patients partners are able to share, you know, 
amazing life lessons with myself. And, um, you know, that's a huge way for me to also connect with them as people. Um, Because I think at the end of the day, that's what, you know, that's what we all are, you know, we're just all trying to do a little bit of good. And we're all just trying to improve, um, you know, the status quo. And um, if we see everyone who's working in the space at that level, um, it becomes um, it just becomes natural. It's not hard to be able to engage with patient partners and um, to be able to uh, work on the priorities that they um, bring forward to us. And so in respect to the podcast, what does your collaboration look like maybe from that planning stage where you're thinking about what your season will look like all the way through to distribution? Mm-hmm. That is a great question. Um, so we're definitely very collaborative. So we do work on everything kind of on shared documents. Um, so, you know, we, if we have a idea for a podcast episode, we always check in with each other. Um, and, you know, usually at the start of the season, we do some thinking about who, what, sort of priorities we want to uh, focus on over the next couple months. Um, and then we'll, you know, me and my team will take it back and we'll kind of set up those meetings, set up those questions. Uh, we do do a bit of brainstorming um, and then we develop a set of questions and go back and forth with each other. Um, sometimes depending on the patient or depending on the person that we're recording an episode with, we'll do a bit of a pre-interview. Um, so sometimes um, it's just to help us build a bit of rapport with the patients, um, especially when it's a really kind of tough um, subject. So we like to do that um, and just build a bit of a connection um, as well. Um, and then I think once we um, kind of have those questions set out, um, we will just do the recording. The editing will be done by our team at the GCI. Um, and then the post-production phase is where we really loop in um, the patient partners and everyone involved. And you know, we always make it very clear that we have a very iterative post-production. Um, so like if patients, you know, don't like the way that they sound or that they feel like they misinterpreted something or misrepresented something, we go back to the drawing board um, and we make those edits um, as the patient like and then once the patient is happy or once the researcher is happy with how they sound then we will then launch the episode we do try to pre-batch or pre-record batches of our episodes um so we're not as like stressed out about having to develop content for it um so that has also been a really great strategy to help us so we we're not um so we can make sure that there's more time for a more iterative post-production. Yeah, that's that's so great to hear that you have that iterative process and that you really go back and forth. I think even when we're engaging with potential guests, particularly people who haven't done this type of thing before, I think they really take that as such a comfort to know that it's not a one-shot type of thing um, because, yeah, like, like you said before, we're all human and I think this can be a very intimidating thing, but as as you've already spoken about, it can be therapeutic, it can be um, fun, it can be so many different things. So that's great to hear. And outside of the podcast, um, I know Stephanie, when we started off today, you were mentioning this incredible breadth of services 
um, and KT products and, and offerings that the JCI, GCI has for researchers and trainees and patients. Um, so maybe can you tell us a little bit about some of those other um, projects and, and the other work that you support? Yeah, for sure. So um, I know I mentioned some earlier, but I'll just go over um, a couple of the more important ones um, right now. So the first one that I highlight is our clinical trials research group. Um, so clinical trials is obviously a really important part of research. Um, and, you know, we do have a working group that is dedicated to gynae clinical trials. Um, so part of that is one providing um, a bit of seed funding for investigators who want to start their own, um, you know, clinical trial in BC. Um, so they're kind of small grants that help support researchers to do a bit of that seed work or that um, pilot work. Um, so then they can be eligible for larger grants um, on a national or international scale. As part of that work, we also, um, you know, spend a lot of time thinking about how we can make sure our clinical trials are done provincially. Um, so how can we make sure that, you know, it's not just clinical trials that are being run and set up in Vancouver? How can we make sure that people in Prince George or Kelowna or Victoria has access to the same types of clinical trials? Um, and a lot of that is um, one, building research infrastructure. So, you know, having a core um, group of staff members who can facilitate the clinical research, but two, thinking about what other types of supports is needed in order to make that a reality. Um, another bucket of work that we do is with our trainees. Um, so we also have a trainees education committee. Um, and as part of that committee, it's a group of um, trainees who are working in gynecologic cancers, you know, master's students, PhD students. Um, we also have residents and, um, you know, fellows as part of that group as well. Um, so what they do is they um, help support um, trainee education. Um, so it's through a variety of different things. One is through um, developing professional development, um, you know, opportunities for trainees in the space, um, an opportunity for social networking, um, and then another group that's focused solely on science communications. Um, so how can um, trainees be more skilled and to develop more um, of a focus on um, knowledge translation and science communication? Um, as part of that, we also do other types of kind of larger programming. So we have an annual trainee research day for our trainees. Um, and then we also help um, build in some um, more gynae cancer focused um, curriculum at UBC for um, graduate students. Um, and then the, another bit of work that we do is our Patient and Family Advisory Council. Um, so this is a group that we started a couple years ago, and it's made up of a group of um, patient, part, patient and family partners who have lived experience with gynae cancers. And um, we work on all sorts of projects. Um, so um, I always like to group it in terms of like, one, we have our patient-initiated projects. So stuff like the GOSH podcast, and we are currently working on another education resource with BC Cancer. Um, that was really brought forward by a, a group of patient partners from um, this PFAC group. Um, and then the second bucket of things that we do is just support patient-oriented research in our programs, um, uh, research um, initiatives. So um, principal investigators or faculty members who are running gynae cancer um, projects can come into our 
um, our patient group, present their work, um, get some feedback, get some um, ideas as to how to make their um, trial or how to make their study more uh, patient oriented. Um, and that often is a springboard for other sorts of patient oriented work that will come once patients can get connected to various investigators um, in our group. Um, and then the fourth and last bucket that I'll talk about is in our clinical informatics space. Um, so Dr. Aline Talhuk is um, one of the informatics directors, or, or sorry, she is the director of um, clinical informatics at OvCare. Um, so she has been able to be um, a huge kind of leader in this space and um, kind of integrating and collecting a lot of gynae cancer related data. Um, so data is so important in doing research and making that data accessible to researchers across the province will just help to accelerate research and you know, make the research happen faster, um, allow it to kind of be more effective and also allows, um, she's also been able to develop a system where the data will be feedback to will be fed back to um, the same kind of data repository. Um, so researchers across the province who are interested in doing this work can connect with um, Dr. Talhuk and the GCI and um, kind of get access to this data um, to help them get started with some of their gynae cancer research work. Um, so yeah, that's a little breadth of what we do at the GCI. A lot, a lot of stuff that you do at the GCI. <laughs> I'm very busy. <laughs> yes, it's definitely a lot. It's very comprehensive, which speaks to kind of the nature of the group, you know, going from doing research and prevention through to survivorship is, you know, it requires different methods, dif requires different, um, you know, infrastructure to support it. So it just speaks to kind of how diverse the group really is and, um, you know, some of the great work that is happening in all of those spaces. Well, thank you so much for sharing and for that overview. And we'll make sure that we leave the links to the GCI website and your social media and the podcast in our show notes so everybody can learn all about all of the things you do and connect with you. Um, maybe before we wrap here, I'll ask what I think might be my toughest question yet. And it is, uh, do you have a favorite episode of the Gosh podcast? And if so, which one might it be? That is a tough question because I think there's a lot. Uh, there's a, so many good ones. Um, so it's hard to pick just one. I think there's I'll go to two because they were really beneficial to me. Um, and one of those was with Dr. Lori Brado, and it was on sexual health. Um, and her and I did the episode together and she just brought so much great knowledge and we had a, um, a really vulnerable chat. Um, so that one for me um, was one of my favorites as well as the survivorship one that we did with Dr. Lisa Dawson. Uh, she shared some information that was so validating for me. I was almost in tears halfway through that episode. So they were, um, I wouldn't say they were, you know, my favorites because I could name a whole bunch more, but they were so valuable and meaningful to me and I, I learned a lot from them. So, you know, I'll, I'll call out those two and then I'll pass it over to Stephanie for hers. Yeah. So yeah, it's such a hard question because there's so many stories out there um, and we've done so much that it's hard to pick. Um, but I would, if I had to choose, I'd, 
I'm also going to pick two. Um, so the first one is the one that we did on gender diversity in gynecologic cancers. And we did that with Dr. Mary Bryson. And they came onto the podcast and shared such insightful information about the role of gender and um, sex in the context of gynecologic cancers. And I think that it's a topic that, um, you know, isn't talked about a lot. So um, it was so interesting to be able to get that perspective from them and to be able to share that work um, that they do um, on our podcast. And I think the second episode that I would say is the more recent one that I did with one of our patient partners. And we did that an episode entirely in Cantonese. And um, Cantonese is my second language, um, and I'm not very good at it. So it was definitely a struggle. Um, but it was just so, um, it was really impactful to me to be able to share um, a cancer story and a patient story in um, in the language that I speak at, at home, um, you know, and to be able to hear some of that feedback, you know, Rose has since been able to share that with people around the world, her family and friends from around the world. And I think it's just really powerful to be able to provide a platform for, um, you know, non she does speak English, but like English as a second language, um, people to still share their stories, um, because I think it's also really important because their perspectives are also um, different. So that was a really, um, a really great experience. And it was one of my favorite episodes for sure. Even though sometimes I, I have a hard time understanding what she's actually saying, because I don't know the, the words that she's saying sometimes, but it was, um, it was really great. Well, thank you both for sharing all of that little behind the scenes look too at, at how you went into those episodes and what you took away from them. It's so, so powerful. Um, so I guess we're reaching the end of our time together. I'll just ask if either of you have anything else that you'd like to plug um, or, or say to the research community. That's also a good question. I don't know, Stephanie. I would just say, you know, I think the biggest learning lesson that I'll probably take from this whole thing is, you know, just lean into the whole idea of bringing in patients into your work. Um, I think sometimes you'll be surprised um, by what can happen when you do that. You know, I think before engaging and before doing this work, we weren't, we didn't know what we were doing. Um, you know, we didn't know how to connect with patients and um, be able to bring that community in. So, um, you know, I would just suggest to researchers to just really lean into that idea and um, try to open, um, open yourself to that possibility um, and reach out for help, reach out for support. Um, the BC support unit is great in terms of providing training and providing more information on patient-oriented and work and patient engagement. Um, and there's so many different groups of people out there doing it right now that um, I would just really encourage every researcher, uh, whether or not you're a trainee to um, like a full faculty member, to just really consider that and consider how it can be really helpful for um, the work that you're doing. Yeah, I like what you said there, Steph, about it being helpful, but being open to it, because I think there's 
you know, my advice would be not to downplay the power of storytelling. This is a really different way to get across research or, you know, more scientific information out to a community that also is interested in hearing about it. And being on the patient side or the general population, there's not many avenues to dive into what's going on in the research space and learn more. So it opens up a really unique space and just broadens your audience. Um, so, you know, being open to that idea of using storytelling to share your work, I think is really beneficial and really powerful. Thank you both so much for all of the wisdom you've shared today and for telling us all about the GCI and the GOSH podcast. Um, for anyone listening, the GCI is available on, or can be found on Instagram, Twitter, your website, and the GOSH podcast can be found on all major podcast platforms, streaming platforms. <laughs> I'm getting thumbs up. So we'll leave all those links in the show notes. And thank you both again for joining us. Thank you so much for having us, Melissa. Yeah, thank you so much for allowing us the opportunity to share some of this work. If you have an idea for an episode or have some research of your own to share, let us know. Send us an email at whri.communications at cw.bc.ca. For more information about WHRI, follow us on social media using the handle at Women's Research or check out our website at whri.org.